0: This is the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, episode number 271. Hey there, Red Zenners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthier plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. In today's episode of the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, we're going to be talking about IBS, Or Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Or Ick. (laughs) I-C-K, Ick. You know, this is something that is a common affliction for a lot of people here in the United States. And I know actually worldwide um, that it is something that is uh, a lot of people suffer from. And there's actually a specific challenge for those folks that are trying to live a vegan, vegetarian, or plant-based lifestyle when it comes to trying to manage the symptoms of IBS. So today we're going to talk about what IBS is, in case you're not familiar with it, and lucky you if you're not. (laughs) 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 And also how you can manage the symptoms while leading a vegetarian, vegan, or plant-based lifestyle, because it can be a little bit more challenging. But before we get into that, we have a new rating.
1: Yay. All right. So this is exciting. This is from Ireland, Northern Ireland. It's so cool. It's so cool. I know. So it's Nikki La La La, Nikki La 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 from uh, the UK. So. I decided to go vegan for Lent in 2018, having been semi-vegetarian for many years alongside my veggie husband. I live in the deepest farming country in Northern Ireland, where meat and two veg is standard fare. The closest dedicated vegetarian and vegan food place is an hour away in Belfast, and most people just look at me blankly when I ask what what the vegan food situation is. So I knew it would be a challenge. I had very little idea as to the practices of the dairy, meat, and egg industry as a background to going vegan. It was just a challenge for Lent, but I felt it was something I may want to continue as I got halfway through. Anyway, I listened to a few other podcasts regarding veganism and found a lot of them were very righteous, quite judgmental of those who aren't vegan or even are vegetarian and was feeling a little disheartened. Rather than being educated, I was being preached to. Then I found Vegetarian Zen, and it all changed, and I felt really hopeful. These girls are so down to earth, there's no judgment about anyone's lifestyle choices. The topics they cover are really wide-ranging, and I've learned a lot about how to help myself be a healthy vegan, how to keep it interesting, how to maintain it too – after Lent, I'm still vegan, except when I went to Rome and ate all the pizza. <laughs> that would be me. And I, and I don't be harsh on myself. If I allow myself a bit of cheese every now and then, thanks to the non-preachy, educative podcast by these two girls and their great forum on Facebook. So, thanks, girls. There's very little support in Meat and Two Vegville. <laughs> it's good to be able to plug in and get some when I need some inspiration. Aww, I just can't tell you, you how much that made, how happy That's that awesome. made me. That is so awesome. First of all, this is what
0: I love about podcasting: is that we can communicate with people all over the Mm -hmm. world it's just amazing to me and then when i hear people that really say how much they appreciate the community of of the non-judgmental that's how when we started Mm -hmm. when we were on our couch saying let's start a podcast where we in a community where we welcome everyone who just Mm -hmm. wants to learn more about eating less meat and eating more vegetarian vegan or plant-based that was our goal. So I mean, when somebody kind of comes back and says, "This is what I'm getting from it," and hits hits on what we were trying to uh, hit the the target, right? It just makes me smile. Definitely. So thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. that. All right. Before we get into the main topic, this this episode is brought to you by the shop at Vegetarian Zen, where you will find a plethora. A Vegetarian Zen Swag. Everything from car magnets, reusable shopping bags, stickers, T-shirts. They are here. We have a T-shirt, actually, that has our logo on the front. And on the back, it says, uh, what is it? Prepare to to get get your veg veg on. on. Yes. Uh, And then we have some stickers and uh, car magnets magnets with some cute sayings and stuff. So (laughs) check it out. And if you sign up for our newsletter, which, by the way, is going to – we haven't really – done much with our newsletter over the past i would say year mm-hmm. but that is going to change and there's going to be some really good info coming out there so make sure you sign up and you will get a 10 percent discount off of your first order at the shop at vegetarians and That's right and as with anything else any any uh, support we receive through our patreon campaign or through our uh, donation button on our site or through the shop they all go back into supporting this podcast
1: All right, are we ready to dive into the main topic? Let's do this. So let's talk about the three main points of what we're going to talk about. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Let's do
0: that. All right. So we do want to talk about what IBS is because Mm -hmm. not everyone is very familiar. If you're not suffering from this, if you've never been diagnosed by your doctor Mm -hmm. uh, with this, then you might not really know. You might have a clue. You can think irritable bowel syndrome. That gives you an idea, (laughs) but you might not really know what it is. And then we want to talk about as we mentioned some of the challenges specific to vegans and vegetarians that I had not really thought about prior to pulling the research together for this episode. And then we want to give you some, with some, we don't want to just leave you there. We want to give you some tips. If you are one of the folks that are are trying to deal with this digestive disorder, uh, give you some tips for how to manage it.
1: Right. And, right. uh, you know, and it's funny, um, I've had, I was diagnosed with IBS way back in the 70s when I was seven. Um, and, you know, I, I went through all that because I was always sick. And I was always, I always had issues with vomiting and, and other issues, you know, intestinal Issues And so I went through all the testing and everything. And I was, you know, back then there, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that they would tell you to do except for, you know, don't eat anything until everything calms down and or just eat crackers and drink apple juice and you know, I mean, or bananas or whatever. And that was about it. I mean, so there's so much more information out there now, um, as far as treatment options. And um, so I think that's really good. That's good for me to learn this too. Okay, so yeah, I'm, like we've always said, these are very educational for us as well. So
0: this is good. Uh, I, I will say I've suffered a little bit. I think at one point a doctor did say that I had IBS, but I don't know. To, I mean, you know, it's probably like anything else. There's a spectrum. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, But that brings up a good point is that Please do not take this as medical advice. Right. Always, always, always include your doctor in, in any conversation, anything you're trying for yourself. If you're trying to manage the symptoms, make sure you bring your doctor into that conversation because you don't want to, uh, you don't want to just we take your medical advice from two people, on <laughs> <laughs> two people on the internet.
1: Two people on the internet. Just a couple of broads. Well, it, always, it
0: always makes me laugh when you're like looking on some page or some group or something and somebody says... They have they're suffering from something, and then they start getting all this advice, and it's uh, like, uh, I hope you're checking with your doctor. Yeah, right. Joe Schmo on the internet is probably not your best bet. <laughs> all, right, all right, so
1: let's talk about what IBS is. Okay, so IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, sounds nasty. I it? know, right? It's like grumpy intestinal disorder or something. Uh, uh, that's what we should call it grumpy, grumpy intestines grumpy intestines what's the matter uh, your my intestines are grumpy <laughs> uh irritable bowel syndrome so it is a chronic functional digestive disorder that affects about 10 to 15% of the, uh, people in the US.
0: Yeah, and obviously that's worldwide too, but right. I mean that you know people worldwide. This is a US study probably. Yeah, <laughs> here's something interesting wh- that I learned when I was pulling together the research. It's estimated that uh, the good portion of that 10 to 15% of uh, folks are women. So like 70% of something that like of 70%. 70%
1: of the 10 to 15%.
0: Yes. So <laughs> um and this is why there's some. There's still some speculation or uh, uncertainty about what specifically causes IBS or what... I mean, they know what it is. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how it's being treated, but just specifically what causes, what causes it. it. There's so many... So it could be hormonal. There's some people that say stress. There's some people that say, no, it's not stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, neurological. Some people think it's mm-hmm. neurological.
1: And that's a good... Uh, point or a good thought, especially given all of the other neurological issues that I have. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, the fact that it could be something, you know, neurological or, or related to that is an interesting thing to think about. Okay, so let's talk about some of the symptoms of IBS. Okay, and these are really fun. <laughs> I love, I love it when this happens. <laughs> <Ugh>. Sarcasm. <laughs> all right. Uh, cramping abdominal pain bloating gas and now there are three different types of ibs so there and you know this is that's the other thing when i was first diagnosed um way back when there there wasn't the you know ibsd ibs all that it was just oh ibs and ibs was pretty much back then like a, a catch-all kind of we don't know we we can't find anything else so hey ibs why not so uh, there's IBSD, which is uh, the main intestinal symptom, I guess, is diarrhea. Uh, and then there's IBSC, which is constipation. And then there's IBSU, which is um, both. So it doesn't, they, it's not, you know, it could be one, it could be the other, which I can imagine is really fun. I, yeah. I'm more of an IBSD kind of gal, <laughs> but I can imagine both would just be awful. So, typically, the pain must have two of three of these
0: following characteristics. Must be relieved when you go to the restroom, so with defecation, associated with a change or frequency in stool, of stool, I should say, and then associated with a change in form, so appearance of the stool. Yum. Yeah. That sounds okay, awesome. Okay, so let's get off of that. All right. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> moving on to what specific challenges vegans, vegetarians, or plant-based folks face with IBS. Okay, so the challenge is that many of the foods that are associated with triggering ibs are (laughs) (laughs) plant-based so in actuality uh, and we're going to talk about an approach here in a diet that i just learned about i had never heard of this larissa said she had heard about the diet but i didn't didn't really know what it was but uh it it is essentially all plant-based stuff that that well, I shouldn't say all. It's removing all plant-based. Exactly, it's removing all from your diet. We're going to talk about that. So, mm-hmm. let's talk before we get into that. Let's talk about a term we're going to be throwing around here, which is FODMAP, and I'm <laughs> I'm assuming that's the way you pronounce it. It's actually it an like acronym. It. <laughs> it's an acronym
1: that stands for. Do you want to take the pronunciation? Alyssa? I'll because, try. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh. All right, FODMAP, fermentable all. O- Oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyol, polyols. Yeah,
0: okay. So <laughs> that's what that's what the acronym is. We're not going to go through those long words again. No, uh, but essentially these are short chain carbs and sugar alcohols, which in themselves aren't really bad for you, but for people with IBS, they flare up the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So what happens with foods that are considered high FODMAP foods is that they agitate the large intestine, intestine, intestine (laughs) during digestion, and they draw water into the large intestine. They ferment, in Mm -hmm. other words, in the large intestine, and they draw water in producing carbon dioxide, hydrogen, hydrogen, methane gas, which causes the intestine to expand. Mm. And this is what causes a lot of the symptoms
1: and the discomfort. Right. So the bloating and everything.
0: Exactly. So I know there's probably a much more deep, scientific way to explain that but that's essentially at a high level that's what we need to know for this for this podcast
1: right so Uh, so some of the types uh of foods that are some of the types of carbs i guess are fructose, so things like fruit, high fructose corn syrup, honey, agave, uh, lactose, so that's dairy products, fructans like wheat, onions, and garlic, uh, galactans that are like legumes, beans, lentils, soybeans, and then the those polyols that we were talking about, those are the sugar alcohols. So when you have sugar-free, like sugar-free candy, mm-hmm. it's to give it that sweet taste, they just use those sugar alcohols. And then those who are also polyols are also found in fruits with pits or seeds. So apples, avocados, cherries, figs, peach, any stone fruits like yep. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, so obviously you can't eliminate all of those high FODMAP foods if you're a vegetarian or vegan. I mean, to eliminate everything or even most, you'd have to be on like an almost completely meat diet. You would. And meat is the only, are the only is only food that doesn't have
0: it. So if you were on 100% meat diet, ate no other carbs, then you would be on a zero FODMAP diet. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's not the goal that's mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to uh, for anyone, actually, right. even meat eaters. That's not the goal. But let's talk a little bit about how you can manage the symptoms of IBS, mm-hmm. especially as we said. So you're looking at this list going, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm a vegetarian or vegan. I get, my, I get a lot of nutrition from, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the... Galactins, which are legumes beans lentils soybeans i mean those are a lot of staples that of that has our diet.
1: protein that has our you know other nutrients so just like with anything else these are on a scale so you know while galactins are considered you know fodmap foods there are some that are higher on that scale than others that's right
0: so let's talk about the approach that a doctor and again I stress that doctor would typically <laughs> not Dr. Vicky and Dr. Larry <laughs> exactly would put you on if you were trying to manage the symptoms of your IBS. A very common approach is to eliminate most FODMAP my maps for six weeks, or at least drastically limit them. So you're trying to give your, your intestines some time to heal. Mm-hmm. And you're also trying to kind of clean the slate so that you understand. So as you start to reintroduce these back into your diet slowly, one at a time, right? one at a time that you can see what aggravates your IBS symptoms, because mm-hmm. this is what's so tricky about IBS is that it's so different. From patient to patient. I mean, mm-hmm. I know a lot of diseases or disorders are like that, but this one is so tricky because as we were just talking, you know, you've experienced some of the symptoms, I've experienced some mm-hmm. of the symptoms, but even when with some of the, within some of these categories, there's certain foods in the same category mm-hmm. that will upset me, but not but not others. Yeah. So, for example, I can't eat apples, mm-hmm. which are considered the what are they the polyols, mm-hmm. but I
1: can eat avocados, which
0: mm-hmm. are also in that particular. Thank God I can eat avocados.
1: And apples. I love avocados. Yeah. Apples don't bother me, and avocados gross me out. So. <laughs> <laughs> they don't upset me. They just gross. They upset me mentally. They mentally upset me. Uh, um, but, yeah. You
0: just had like most of our community just boo you. Altogether. I know. Oh, I can, I can imagine,
1: I can imagine the hate that's just <laughs> right now. All right. Um, so, so not real hate. By so, the way. so that's typically what a doctor
0: would, or someone who's helping you manage is someone trained or would help, <laughs> help you how they would help you to manage the symptoms or try to determine, you know, what is going on with, with this. If you, if, if there's certain things that are triggering this for you mm-hmm. now, in the show notes, we have curated quite a bit of information uh, on the list. I've gotten several lists there for you guys because we don't obviously want to sit here and just start rattling off foods to you because, not not just because that would be long and boring, but because it's so different for everyone. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a lot of links in there, but let me just give you an idea of some of the foods that are considered to be on the high end of the FODMAP uh, spectrum. Mm-hmm. And
1: those that are on the low end. So, so low, low, just, so I'm thinking the right way. Low has l- the ones on the low list have a l- less, a lesser chance of upsetting, of upsetting you, of upsetting yeah, you than, exactly. the, than some of the higher ones. You're might. you're right. Okay. All right. So some of the things that would be on the low end of the FODMAP list would be, uh, legumes like, uh, to- well, tofu is not exactly a legume, but, but made from soybeans, uh, tempeh and chickpeas and then also things like walnuts uh, bok choy oranges cantaloupe blueberries bananas um, black or green tea uh, stevia and olives okay and some of the examples on the high end would be lima beans
0: lentils veggie meats now that's something that upsets you Mm -hmm. particularly those that are made with soy protein cashews pistachios cabbage leeks grapefruit which is something that doesn't upset you no (laughs) she loves grapefruit grapefruit. watermelon tahini Mm -hmm. and commercial salad dressings Mm
1: -hmm. and you know it's interesting cabbage doesn't bother me i don't eat a whole lot of cabbage but when i've eaten it it hasn't bothered me but kale does kale makes me deathly ill for about four days
0: so this is why it's so important another tip here is to Read the labels. Make sure you're reading. So, for example, one of the ones we just mentioned that was on the high end was commercial salad dressings. Mm -hmm. Those can be packed with things like high fructose corn syrup and things of that nature. I'm assuming that's why the commercial salad dressing is on there. Uh, So, um, make sure you're reading the labels. And also, when you can, eliminate uh, wheat Mm. or gluten you don't have to be on 100% on a gluten-free diet but that is something that can it's one of those things that if you can take it out like for example we just bought some Trader Joe's waffles mm-hmm. <laughs> and i got the gluten-free by the way they they're really they're good they're really good honey. um if if you when you can just try to reduce that right so uh, the other thing is is that as we were saying everyone is so different so make sure that you understand and you're keeping some sort of diary for yourself to make sure you understand what foods are triggering you because it this is what makes this so difficult to manage it's not like a doctor can just prescribe you something and it goes away this is something that takes some work into managing for yourself because it it is so different from person to person
1: Mm -hmm. and you know i will add one more thing i this isn't necessarily for most of our listeners this isn't an issue but i know we do have some listeners who are you know, just Veg Curious or just Reducetarian. And I will say that, um, you know, throughout my lifetime, ever since I was seven, I have reacted badly to uh, cer- certain types or certain instances of lard animal animal fats. And, you know, that was a lot bigger problem, of course, when I was growing up because we ate a lot of meat uh, and not so much anymore. But that was a big trigger for me. And so if you are suffering from and it's kind of counter to what, you know, the, the research says, but it could, there could be something else going on. But if you find that when you eat animal fats, if you're still eating meat and you find this, take that into account, too.
0: Well, and you can have some allergy, too. It might not that's, even be IBS. That's so you, that's, that's why it's so important, I think, to track what you're eating if you're suffering from any of these symptoms. Right, absolutely. All right, so hopefully this episode has provided you with an understanding of what IBS is and how you can manage the symptoms of IBS if you're someone who is living with this. This can be very challenging. So hopefully the this episode and also the resources that we'll have for you in the show notes can help you give you some hope mm-hmm. with with uh, being able to to manage this. All is not lost. All right. Are we ready to get into the recipe of the week? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So this is actually a, a uh, series of recipes that I found for you guys. I was out on the web looking up some low FODMAP recipes and there are quite a few. But the one I was, there was a site that I was really impressed with that is called a little bit of yummy. Now, this is not a veg site per se, but what I did like about it was that on their recipe page of low FODMAP recipes, there was a really cool little filter on the side that you could take. You could just filter uh, in like vegetarian, vegan, or I think there was something else. I checked. It I can't, remember. I can't remember. gluten free? Maybe maybe it was gluten free. And when I filtered, you know, I get so frustrated when I go to a site and there, you filter for vegan and there's like <laughs> there's, two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Great. Like, All right. Yeah.
0: This had a lot. Mm-hmm. So this is why I was really impressed with it. It was a very nice looking site and very easy looking. And what I really liked, the recipes look very easy and they look good. So just to give you an idea of what was out there, I found a vegan shepherd pie, dark chocolate granola. Low FODMAP stuffing, Halloween pretzel spider webs, which Halloween is just around the corner. So some really good recipes there. There will be a link to the site, a little bit of yummy in the show notes. Okay, moving on to the resource of the week.
1: Sure. Okay, so this is a, a book called uh low fodmap and vegan what to eat when you can't eat anything (laughs) that sounds sounds appropriate right (laughs) now that no with me it's what to eat when you won't eat anything (laughs) hey
0: you know what since this is i i gotta divert divert our conversation here just a little bit uh I am so proud of myself for sneaking in good food. (laughs) So since I have been taking the Forks Over Knives course, and I'm about, uh, I think, 80% done with it now, uh, I've been doing a lot of cooking. And Larissa ate the other day cilantro and bell pepper and did not even know it. She said, after she said she could taste the cilantro a little bit, but I chopped it very finely, and so she can't see it. (laughs) It's like a, it's like with uh, with the uh, Cosmo and Ruthie where we sneak their medicine into uh. t- into their uh, treats. Well, anyway, hey, at so, least
1: you're not like uh, opening my my jaws and sticking like bell peppers in the back of my throat and then rubbing my my throat. <laughs> well, I tell everybody I'm going to be doing most of the cooking
0: now. Then uh, you know you're gonna have to live with it. But I have been trying to chop things up for you. But one of Thank the things you, you said you would that. not. Eat was bell pepper because it didn't sit well with you, but you've had it several times now. Maybe it's just smaller pieces mm-hmm. is the key. Maybe mm-hmm. you digest it well better when it's smaller.
1: Maybe. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, back to back to the re- resource. All right. So the author of this book is Jo Stepaniak. and she's got uh, she's got a lot of books out there. Uh, she writes about vegan cuisine, compassionate living, and health. And she also she has a um, she has IBS herself, so and she's also vegan. So I mean, the, this makes total sense that she would be the perfect person for this book. <laughs> and uh, so the book is on, on Amazon. It's uh, Kindle version is seven ninety nine, and paperback is totally affordable, fourteen dollars. So uh, I would definitely go and check it out. Yeah,
0: it's got uh, and we'll have a link. Yeah, to definitely,
1: it. it's got sixty seven reviews and four point
0: five out of five star ratings which is really good and what i really was impressed with on the reviews was it was quite a few people that sounded like they had really been struggling with ibs and their comments anyways were that she really helped them to be able to uh eat oh that's good that's eating is a good thing (laughs) it's encouraged (laughs) all right i think that does it for our episode this week until next time peace out bye